is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Welcome to the program. I wanted to remind you of a few things. We appreciate all of our affiliates, AM and FM. We appreciate Sirius XM Satellite. We appreciate our live streaming YouTube, and all the rest. So you can always listen to this show no matter what. We've been gaining affiliates, but if we're preempted, and we should lose one or two, there's always a way to listen to this program. Our podcast numbers are skyrocketing. I don't even promote this, the podcast. We now have, again, an effort by the automobile industry to eliminate radio from automobiles. That would be a death blow to AM radio in particular. So it's very, very important that I and we, us, have choices, have diversity of platforms. Because you never know what's going to happen, these constant efforts to stifle free speech, and me in particular. So we will never allow that because of our ubiquity with broadcast platforms. And so, again, I wanted to tell you that if you want to listen to our podcast, which is, in essence, this radio show, you can go to MarkLevinShow.com. Click on Audio Rewind at the top and pick your favorite podcast platform. It's that simple. Or you can go to your favorite podcast platform directly, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., and search Mark Levin Show and subscribe for free. You can go to YouTube where we have our own Mark Levin channel. Of course, you can go to Sirius XM Satellite. You can go to live streaming. And of course, you can go to our affiliates, who we appreciate very, very much. Just pointing out that you never know. You can now find all my full podcast interviews, specials on YouTube. 
Go to YouTube.com at Mark Levin Show. YouTube.com at Mark Levin, L-E-V-I-N Show, or search Mark Levin Show on YouTube. It's that simple. Our numbers on YouTube are skyrocketing. I think I've mentioned this once or twice tops over the past six months. The podcast probably every other month. The point is this. Technology has advanced so far where nothing can come between you and me. I want to thank the loyal, supportive affiliates out there. And we will continue to support you fully and completely. I want to thank you very, very much. But if a time comes when affiliate here or there decides to do something else, which I think is quite foolish, then rather than my being on their platform, they will become a competitor. Because obviously I will use this microphone. I will use my extensive social media. I will use my Blaze platform and my Fox platform to explain how you can get around that decision. Because we cannot allow a single owner, a single general manager, a single program director to to destroy our relationship. That just isn't going to happen. I've been doing this too long. I want to get into something else. Look, we see what's going on on MSNBC and CNN. We see what's going on in the New York Times and the Washington Post. These are not media outlets. These are propaganda outlets. These are scribes and mouthpieces for a centralized Marxist country, state. These are outlets and mouthpieces for the Democrat Party, which embraces every radical force in this country. They vote Democrat and they are Democrats, whether it's the Islamicists, a.k.a. Islamists, or the Marxists. They have a very big tent, they're very proud to say, very diverse. Oh yeah, they'll take Islamists, they'll take Marxists, As long as you're not an American supporter and you speak out for it, they will accept you. The Democrat Party is not a typical political party in any sense of the words political party. It is a wrecking ball. It is an alien force within a free country that seeks to destroy our history, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, Our economic system, our sovereignty, our currency, our educational systems, and you name it. It is an evil, diabolical party. And in order to advance this cause, it has to lie. All autocratic parties have to lie. All autocrats have to lie whether it's an Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, whether it's a brutal, genocidal, communist regime in China, they have to lie. And that's what they do all the time. They have to change the language. They have to change the way you think. That's why they're trying to take over education from parents. That's why we have tenured Islamists and Marxists and other reprobates in our colleges and universities. That's why our media are filled with these people. 
who come out of our colleges and universities or come out of the Democrat Party. All you have to do is watch them, and they could be on The View, they could be on The Today Show, they could be on CNN, MSNBC, they're everywhere. They could be columnists, opinion writers, news writers for the disreputable New York Times or Washington Post. These corporations have histories of anti-Americanism, of anti-Semitism, long histories of lying and promoting, like the Praetorian Guard, the radical left agenda, and Democrat candidates. Conversely, they have long histories of trashing Republicans. They trashed the hell out of Ronald Reagan. They pushed Nixon out of office where Nixon didn't do one-tenth of what Kennedy did, or Lyndon Johnson did, or FDR did as presidents. Not one-tenth. In the case of Donald Trump, they're using all the tools they have, all the propaganda methods, repetition, the big lie, emotion, that they possibly can to destroy him. So far, they have failed. They've literally been at this for almost a decade. They and their party, the Democrat Party, with impeachments, with criminal investigations, and now, of course, so many charges in so many jurisdictions, in front of so many corrupt judges appointed by Obama or Biden, that they feel, they feel that this is the time, this is the place, and in particular, they're looking at Washington, D.C. and Judge Tanya Chunkin, who is an Obama appointee, who is utterly and completely unethical, in my view, in every respect. They brought in their hitman, who's not only unethical, He's been admonished by the Supreme Court in a unanimous decision, pointing out that he's unethical. A million lawyers in this country, and that's who the Department of Justice chooses to investigate Donald Trump. He's the prosecutor. Chunkin's the judge. The jury will be picked from a jury pool in Washington, D.C. that voted 94% plus for Joe Biden. I don't think any dictator on the face of the earth has gotten a 94% vote. Then, of course, the media in America. Unfreedom of the press. Because that's who these people are and that's what they are. I want to strongly encourage you. We only have eight more shows till the break. To grab your copies of The Democrat Party Hates America and American Marxism. Put a rubber band around the two books. They're basically like Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. Those were actually two volumes, but they're sold and published as one. And perhaps that's what I should have done with this book. But it doesn't matter. You won't find it at Barnes & Noble. You won't find it at Costco, but you can find it everywhere else particularly on Amazon.com. In the two books together, you'll be doing yourselves, your family, your friends, and your nation a favor. 
Mark, that's kind of self-promoting. Well, how can I talk about the books that I wrote without talking about the books that I wrote? I don't need this money. I remember when people said the same thing when I wrote Rescuing Sprite. All that many. All of it. Went to saving, protecting, medicating rescue dogs. People don't know what I do with my money. It's nobody's business. This isn't about money. The hardest way to earn a buck is to write a book. Trust me on this. If that's the goal, it's not worth it. But that's not the goal. Ideas of consequences. Ask the Marxists. Ask the Islamists. Ideas of consequences. I want to remind you about Chapter 4 in the Democrat Party Hates America. And why am I going to this? Because the media today are in full propaganda mode as the state-run media trying to protect Biden and the Democrat Party in the Senate and trying to flip the House. Eventually, they want to flip the Supreme Court. They want iron-fisted, complete control over this society. And they're close to getting it. Any network like Fox or OAN or Newsmax, any website like Blaze, Breitbart, Daily Wire, you name them, Right Scoop, any conservative radio host, there's pressure, you know, on some of the affiliates and others who dare to stand out and say, stop, they need to be taken down and taken out. That's the way they view things. They don't want the competition of ideas. They want their ideas imposed upon you. If you want to see how this works, there are scores and scores of TV hosts and TV guests, executives, producers, CNN, MSNBC, and the others. All you need to do is listen to them, even briefly. But the person who best epitomizes this is not among the smartest of them. He's among the dumbest of them. But the things he says are so outrageous, so contemptible, so predictable, that it exemplifies what's taking place at the New York Times, the Washington Post, throughout the media, and of course, the media and the Democrat Party say exactly the same thing. And that would be Joe Scarborough. That's why he's promoted on Mediaite. That's why he's promoted here and there. Incredibly unhinged and stupid human being. But he says things that the Democrat Party and their state-run media want to promote. He's their go-to guy. Thomas Friedman's their go-to guy at the New York Times. And so forth and so on. When we come back, I want to explain in some substance what's taking place in the country. That we need to defeat it. Or they're going to win in the next election. Which could mean it's all over. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'.
Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Short segment, so we'll really dig in after the break. But let me say this. The purpose of the media today are not purpose of the media today is not to convey information to you in an effort to be objective. The purpose of the media today is to ram a narrative down your throat. This is what journalism schools teach students today, as I pointed out in Unfreedom of the Press. But most journalists that you see on CNN and MSNBC, so-called journalists and hosts, don't even come out of journalism school. They come out of the Democrat Party or they come out of some left-wing movement like Jake Tapper came out of Handgun Control Link and he was a spokesperson for a Democrat candidate for office and he wrote for Salon at one point, one of the hardcore leftist websites. Then, of course, he's hired by CNN where he's just a news anchor. And you can see this throughout the media, MSNBC, perhaps the worst. You have disaffected, disgruntled Republicans who've turned on their party. And so they have fangs out and anger out and they want to. They want to get even with certain people and certain institutions. You can see that with Scarborough. You can see that with Wallace. You can see that with a number of these people, Nicole Wallace. That's not what media are supposed to be about particularly those that claim to be news people. More when I return. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com.
All right, let's get down to it here. Time flies, at least for me on this show. It goes very quickly, so despite all the hours of prep time. And by the way, you know who taught me that you need to be a professional? You don't show up at radio, kick your feet up, and just shoot the you-know-what. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh's show would come on at noon, and he was studiously in his studio at 8.30 or 9 in the morning. And he worked all the day before, night before, as do I anyway. And so I come on here at 6 p.m. Eastern time, but I'm here, or somewhere around here, prepping, working, many hours beforehand, and usually when I'm done, I continue to work at this. It's not something you can just easily stop for more than a few hours. You need a few hours to clear your brain and restart your engines. But for those of us who actually try to succeed at this and communicate and build your loyalty, it's 24-7 most of the time. So let me go on on this. This, as I said, is uh, something I want to talk about because they... They are already setting the stage that Donald Trump is Hitler. He's a dictator. He will destroy our country. You're hearing it from Liz Cheney, Joe Scarborough, Jake Tapper. You're hearing it from scores of sources. The same arguments, the same points. It's a cacophony, if you will. It is propaganda. It is what totalitarians do. Associate Professor Magda Stronska. McMaster University in Hamilton, Canada. I will go anywhere to get good information from good people. And this, of course, is in the Democrat Party Hates America, or if you will, Volume 2 is what I like to call it of American Marxism, even though that's not its technical name. Now, explains in her essay, language and totalitarian regimes. She says totalitarians promote persuasion by means of altering people's perception of reality. So Trump's Hitler, he's worse than Hitler. He's going to destroy the country. Uh, he's the one they want to put in prison. But he's going to destroy the country. Not Biden. Not these radical left-wing judges. Not these hitmen prosecutors. No, Trump, you see. She also explains that communist regimes use the means of propaganda and mass deception based on a fiction. Sound familiar? In other words, language is weaponized to serve the purposes of a political party, movement, ideology, and or regime. In this, the Marxists are not alone. Straczynska notes that in practice, only a few people can be persuaded that black is white. But many learn to say that they don't see things in prescribed colors and to call them by prescribed names. So in other words, even though you know black isn't white, you'll say it. You'll start to believe it, even though it's not factually true. This authoritarian practice now widely exists in the United States, I write, as the English language, science, knowledge, experience, and specific words are being redefined, banned, replaced, to impose on the citizenry the beliefs, values, and thought processes of the American Marxists and the Democrat Party. For example, academic freedom, debate, and the competition of ideas on college campuses, free speech, and the exchange of information on Internet platforms, entertainment from comedy and plays to television and movies, biological and scientific knowledge about men, women, and gender and sex, public school teacher seminars and training, classroom texts and learning, 
bureaucratic edicts and regulations, corporate, environmental, social, and governance, ESG, workplace requirements, workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion. That is wokeness and wokeness generally. And more are all used to control the public and serve the ideological, political, and economic purposes of the Democrat Party. Philosopher and professor Frederick Hayek put it this way. The most effective way of making everybody serve the single system of ends towards which the social plane is directed is to make everyone believe in those ends. You got to believe that Trump's Hitler. You got to believe he's going to imprison people. You got to believe he's going to execute people. You got to believe he's going to destroy the country, even though our own four year experience with him demonstrates that's absolutely insane. It doesn't matter. This is propaganda. This is brainwashing. This is what totalitarians do. It's what the Democrat Party and their media do. Although the beliefs must be chosen for the people and imposed upon them, they must become their beliefs, a generally accepted creed, which makes the individuals as far as possible act spontaneously in the way the planner wanted. Get the point? Richard Ebling, professor of ethics and free enterprise at the Citadel, explains that, quote, it is through our language that we think about ourselves, our relationships to others, and the social order surrounding us. Words do not merely delineate objects, individuals, events, or actions. Words also create mental imageries, emotions, attitudes, and beliefs that color how people see themselves and the world around them. And this is the campaign of the Democrat Party right out of Chapter 4, right out of totalitarian handbooks. Trump is evil. Trump is the devil. Biden is good. Biden is an angel. MAGA is the equivalent of Nazi. Ebling writes about the totalitarianization. The the totalitarian, I can say it, the totalitarianization, his word, coined word, of words and ideas that can be seen at work in the language of the progressive radical left in America today. Mikhail Heller, an author and scholar who was raised in the Soviet Union, explains language is the most important and the most powerful weapon in the hands of a state that has decided to transform human beings. The creation of a new language serves two aims to obtain, as George Orwell put it, an instrument with which to express the philosophy and thoughts that are permitted. And secondly, to make all other sorts of thinking impossible. The new language is consequently at once a means of communication and an instrument of oppression. You saw this yesterday with the hearing with Reigns and the radical Marxist Democrat from Pennsylvania, where she was called basically a bigot, and she fired right back. She's a very brave young woman, very smart, too and accused the congresswoman of being a misogynist. The word conceals reality, creates an illusion, a surrealist impression. But at the same time, it preserves a link with reality and puts it into code. Heller recounts that in the Soviet Union, the Soviet language became the most important means of preventing people from acquiring more knowledge. 
than the Communist Party and the state wished. He said Soviet speech lost its freedom. Moreover, the official dictionaries were changed to reflect the Communist Party and the state's meaning of words. The same indoctrination tool is occurring in the United States today. And the Democrat Party is at the foreground of this movement, ladies and gentlemen. When you watch MSNBC, I don't care what show on MSNBC, what time of day or night, this is what you're getting. When you watch CNN, I don't care which host or show you watch, morning, noon, and night, this is what you're getting. When you watch the Today Show, Good Morning America, The View, all of these hybrid-type shows that are considered entertainment but news, you're getting full-fledged, full-throated totalitarian propaganda when they're not talking about cooking. In repressive regimes, I write, repetition is also used to force the acceptance and even internalization of new words or words with newly created meanings. And language is used to identify and condemn enemies of the state. In other words, the public endures constant and unrelenting brainwashing and propaganda. Or as Hannah Arant, one of the premier political philosophers in the 20th century, commented, It's a form of psychological warfare. Indeed, Iran spent years studying and writing about totalitarianism, having barely escaped Hitler's Third Reich. For example, she wrote in her really quite famous book, for those of us who study these things, The Origins of Totalitarianism. She wrote, quote, totalitarianism propaganda raised ideological scientificality and its technique of making statements in the form of predictions to a height of efficiency of method and absurdity of consent. Because demagogically speaking, there is hardly a better way to avoid discussion than releasing an argument from the control of the present and by saying that only the future can reveal its merits. Now you'll notice the Democrat Party and their candidates are always talking about what they're going to do in the future. Give us more of your freedom. Surrender your free will to the state. Surrender your private property. Surrender your, your real estate. Surrender your children to the government school system. And paradise is right over the horizon. Listen to Bernie Sanders. Listen to Hakeem Jeffries. Listen to the media. I mean, we have an example now, $7.5 billion were set aside to build these electric charging stations all over the country. The Biden administration has had that money for nearly three years, and they haven't built a single charging station. But don't follow that. No, look two, three, four, five years ahead. That's what climate change is all about, right? Ten years ahead, 50 years ahead. People who can't even predict the climate and the weather in 10 days. Always look ahead. Always look to the future. The promises. We're Americans. We can do these things. You hear this all the time. And if there's a screw up, they lie about it. They blame somebody else. Or they blame the person who screwed up. Their ideology, their methodology is never. Never to be modified. Arendt writes, 
me make sure I have this right. I'm having a little trouble seeing out of one eye here. Totalitarian ideologies did not invent this procedure and were not the only ones to use it. Scientificality, as she calls it, of mass propaganda has indeed been so universally employed in modern politics that it has been interpreted as a more general sign of that obsession with a science which has characterized the Western world since the rise of mathematics and physics in the 16th century. What is she talking about? She's talking about you have real science. uh, Science. You have real knowledge. Mathematics. And then you have political science. Behavioral sciences. All these phrases, all these terms, all these ideological things. Which claim to be scientific. Not ideological. Her point is that Marxist, fascists, and autocrats generally explain why the horrendous and barbaric conditions they create yet still appeal or attempt to appeal to the masses, quote-unquote, by focusing on the paradise they promise in the future. As I write, there's no better subject to illustrate such a colossal deception in today's world as climate change, which is central to the Democrat Party's growing authoritarianism over all aspects of American life. And it goes on the chapter, I consider it the most important chapter in the book. And I'll put some more context around this when we return. Lovin. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today. By texting LEVIN to 68592, that's L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592, or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions, and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Wait till next hour. We're going to dig in even further. I'm I'm hoping you learn a lot from this program in order to help cope with, address, even confront what's happening in this country. If we don't have you as the Thomas Paines out there, millions and millions of there, trying to influence two, three, four, five, ten people, we're not going to win. We have to go around the media. We have to go over the media. We have to go under the media. We have to get the word out. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark 
Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's continue going through our little lesson here. With the help of the Democrat Party Hates America. Now, in addition to language, that is propaganda, you need to attack history, which the Democrat Party does constantly. The only history they don't attack is their own history, and they project it onto somebody else. That's the nature of the Democrat Party. This is what they do. I'll give you an example, which is in the book. Over 10 years ago, Kevin Williamson at National Review, a good guy, we don't always agree, but he's still a good guy, smart guy. He took on this issue of how the parties switched positions at some magical moment. Where suddenly the Republican Party that supported abolition, that was created to prevent and end slavery, whose first president, Abraham Lincoln, you well know, led the Civil War effort, whose second president, Ulysses S. Grant, won the Civil War effort as a general and also nearly destroyed the Klan, but for the Democrats in Congress that got elected to try and stop him and defunded the army and wouldn't allow them to do it. But he points out over 10 years ago, the utter fabrication with malice of forethought about the Republican parties and Democrat parties. He says the nominee for the worst of them is the popular but indefensible belief that the two major U.S. political parties somehow switch places vis-a-vis protecting the rights of black Americans. A development believed to be roughly concurrent with the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the rise of Richard Nixon. That Republicans have let Democrats get away with this Montbankery is a symptom of their political fecklessness. And in letting them get away with it, the GOP has allowed itself to be cut off rhetorically from a pantheon of Republican political heroes. From Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass to Susan B. Anthony, who represent an expression of conservative ideals as true and relevant today as in the 19th century. Perhaps even worse, the Democrats have been allowed to rhetorically bury their their Bull Connors, their long-standing affiliation with the Ku Klux Klan and their pitiless opposition to practically every major piece of civil rights legislation for a century. Very important what he writes. Very important here. Republicans may not be able to make significant inroads among black voters in the coming elections, but they would do well to demolish this myth nonetheless. Even if the Republicans rise in the South had happened suddenly in the 1960s, which it didn't. And even if there were no competing explanation, there is racism, or more precisely, white Southern resentment over the political successes of the civil rights movement would be an implausible explanation for the dissolution of the Democratic bloc in the old Confederacy. 
and the emergence of a Republican stronghold there. That is because those Southerners who defected from the Democratic Party in the 1960s and thereafter did so to join a Republican Party that was far more enlightened on racial issues than were the Democrats of the era and had been for a century. In other words, he's saying it makes no sense. Why would they leave the Democrat Party to go to a Republican Party that's always opposed slavery and segregation and so forth and so on? There is no radical break in the Republican civil rights history. From abolition to reconstruction to the anti-lynching laws, from the 14th and 15th Amendments to the Civil Rights Acts of 1875, 1957, 1960, and 1964, there exists a line that is by no means perfectly straight or unwavering, but nonetheless connects the politics of Abraham Lincoln with those of Dwight Eisenhower. And from slavery and secession to remorseless opposition to everything from Reconstruction to the anti-lynching laws, and that includes FDR. The 14th and 15th Amendments, the Civil Rights Acts of 1875, the Civil Rights Acts of 1957 and 1960, there exists a similarly identifiable line connecting John Calhoun, a racist segregationist, and Lyndon Baines Johnson. Supporting civil rights reform was not a radical turnaround for congressional Republicans in 1964, but it was a radical turnaround for Johnson and the Democrats. The depth of Johnson's prior opposition to civil rights reform must be digested in some detail to be properly appreciated. In the House, Johnson did not represent a particularly segregationist constituency, It made up for being less intensely segregationist than the rest of the South by being more intensely anti-communist, as the New York Times put it at the time. But Johnson was practically antebellum in his views. Never mind civil rights or voting rights. In Congress, Johnson had consistently and repeatedly voted against legislation to protect black Americans from lynching. As a leader in the Senate, Johnson did his best to cripple the Civil Rights Act of 1957. Not having the votes sufficient to stop it, he managed to reduce it to an act of mere symbolism by exercising the enforcement provisions before sending it to the desk, excising, I should say, before sending it to the desk of President Eisenhower. Johnson's Democratic colleague, Strom Thurmond, nonetheless, went to the trouble of staging the longest filibuster in history up to that point, speaking for 24 hours in a futile attempt to block the bill. The reformers came back in 1960 with an act to remedy the deficiencies of the 1957 act. And Johnson Senate Democrats again staged a record-setting filibuster. In both cases, the master of the Senate, LBJ, petitioned the Northeastern Kennedy liberals to credit him for having seen to the law's passage, while at the same time boasting to Southern Democrats that he had taken the teeth out of the legislation. Johnson would later explain his thinking thusly, quote, these Negroes, he said, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us, since they've got something now they never had before, the political pull to back up their uppityness. Now we've got to do something about this. We've got to give them a little something, just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference. Johnson did not spring up from the Democrat soil one day out of 
and turn around and turn around his views. Not one Democrat in Congress voted for the 14th Amendment. Not one Democrat in Congress voted for the 15th Amendment. Not one voted for the Civil Rights Act of 1875. Eisenhower, as a general, began the process of desegregating the military. Truman, as president, formalized it. But the main reason either had to act was that President Woodrow Wilson, the personification of democratic progressivism, had resegregated previously integrated federal facilities, including the military. Quote, if the colored people made a mistake in voting for me, they ought to correct it, he declared. Klansmen from Senator Robert Byrd to Justice Hugo Black held prominent positions in the Democrat Party, and Wilson chose the Klan epic, Birth of a Nation, to be the first film ever shown at the White House. Lyndon Johnson himself denounced an earlier attempt at civil rights reform as the N-word bill. The N-word bill. So what happened in 1964 to change Democrats' minds? In fact, nothing. Johnson was nothing if not shrewd, and he knew something that very few popular political commentators appreciate today. The Democrats began losing the solid South in the late 1930s at the same time as they were picking up votes from northern blacks. The Civil War and the sting of Reconstruction had indeed produced a political monopoly for Southern Democrats that lasted for decades. But the New Deal had been polarizing. It was very popular in much of the country, including much of the South. Johnson owed his selection to the House, to his New Deal platform and Roosevelt connections. But there was a conservative backlash And that backlash eventually drove New Deal critics to the Republican Party. Likewise, adherents of the isolationist tendency in American politics, which is never very far from the service, looked askance at what Bob Dole would later famously call Democrat Wars. And it goes on, and it's worth reading, and it's in my book. The Democrat Party runs from its history. It is a diabolical party today as it was before. It lies about its history. It lies about American history. It turns American against American. It will say and do whatever it has to say and do to acquire power, to maintain power, and to keep power. That is what it's doing now. That is what it's doing now. The marginalization of MAGA, 75, 80 million people. The marginalization of a former president by trying to convince you that he's literally worse than Adolf Hitler. These are the people that supported slavery. These are the people who supported segregation. These are the people who supported eugenics. Oh, I don't support it today. I'm a progressive Democrat. You align with a political party. That's its history. And that's a fact. I'll be right back. Mark in. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. 
Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. In the last few days, leaders of the Arab sectors, as they call them in Israel, have gotten together. And they watched this horror film of October 7th. The rape, the debauchery, the barbarism. And they came out of this shaken. Shaken. And many of these leaders, some are Muslim, some are Christian, whatever, they said, We are all Israelis. That this is unacceptable. We completely and utterly reject what has been taking place and the ideology behind it. I sent this to my wife, Julie. This spent a significant amount of time over there. And she wrote this to me. I learned very long time ago, in 2007 to be precise, that there are many Arab Israelis, citizens of Israel, who live in the Arab quarter and outside the Arab quarter, They want to be assimilated, they want to be considered citizens, and they are proud of the same. They pay taxes, they get protection of the Israeli police. Some are on their courts, some get elected. And they view themselves very differently from most of the people who live in Gaza and the West Bank. Very differently than the vast majority of Palestinians. So it is important that distinctions are being made, that people be judged by their actions. And that's one of the things Ennis Freedom has basically put his life on the line to explain, to defend. Because he also rejects this ideology, this Islamist ideology, and not just the Islamist ideology, the communist ideology, where two and a half million Uyghurs are rounded up and sent to concentration camps and also the Russian regime's ideology that rounds up innocent Chechnyans and murders and brutalizes them and for this Ennis Ennis Freedom doesn't play in the National Basketball Association anymore because his morality his belief system is not up for negotiation regardless of how much money is thrown at him, regardless of how much money he loses. And I've met Ennis uh, Freedom once. He's been on my Fox show once. And yet I consider him a friend. Isn't that weird, Ennis? I don't know you that well, but I feel like I do, and yet I consider you a friend. What do you think about that? You know, I watch your show so many times, man. I do consider you a friend. (laughs) I feel like I've known you for a very long time. 
<laughs> and you you see what's going on. You literally have it's not progressive, a Marxist member of the House of Representatives who's the leader of the Marxist wing of the Democrat Party. She goes on CNN, hardly a conservative network, and she cannot explicitly said that what happened on October 7th to those girls and more information coming out about the horrendous, horrendous brutality, torture, and murder, and she won't condemn it without conditioning it. Did you see that? I did see that, unfortunately, yep. What do you make of this? How can people in public office in the United States conduct themselves this way? Yeah. So I want to I want to get this get this first. You know what Hamas did. I want to get this on record because I mean sometimes people can get it wrong. What Hamas did on October seven has nothing to do with true Islam. You know, um, I mean I do a lot of research about my faith and. I know what our prophet Muhammad says. Do uh, you know we have war rules? Our prophet says, when you go to a war, do not kill a child, do not kill a woman, do not kill the elderly, do not kill a sick person, do not cut down trees, do not kill animals, do not kill who those uh, uh, surrender, do not enforce Islam, do not disfigure the dead, do not kill a rabbi or a priest, do not kill those who run away or destroy buildings, do not destroy a worship place. So anything other than that is not true Islam. So I'm just confused when I see a lot of the Muslim leaders out there, lots of, even like members of our Congress, you know, are not Mm -hmm. condemning Hamas. And to me, it's just unbelievable. What do you make of groups like CARE? Now, you know, CARE was created at a meeting outside of the Philadelphia airport in a Marriott hotel by Hamas. And it claims that it is the biggest Muslim civil rights organization in America. No, it's the biggest Hamas front group in the United States. And for people like me and other people who obviously aren't Muslim, my question to you is this, is this why there's so much slaughter of Muslims by Muslims in the Middle East and elsewhere? This battle between these terrorists and the Islamists and other Muslims that don't embrace this. Is that what's going on in part? You know, I'm going to, I actually like saw this on the news. Do you remember when ISIS burned Yazidi civilians alive? And I did not see one Muslim that take to, take it to the street and march or protest it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting down. And sometimes I'm having conversations with some of my Muslim friends out there. I'm like, you guys are so silent when an Arab kills another Arab. But you don't, don't, are- don't leave me. I got to take a hard break. I want to pick up where we left off here. They were silent. And my question to you, if you complete your thought, is why? I'll be right back. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. 
Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. We're here with Ennis Freedom. Ennis, so you were telling the story you said to some of your yeah. Muslim friends when the uh, when ISIS was slaughtering Arabs, Muslims. Why aren't they speaking out? And and tell us about that. Why aren't they speaking out? So I remember sitting down in a in a you know big big uh, conference, and I I literally asked them. I was like, "Where were you?" when ISIS was launched in the name of Islam and literally beheaded tens of thousands of Arabs in Libya, Syria, and Iraq. Why didn't you take it to the streets, raise their flag, and condemn the terror, terror or call for a ceasefire? Where were you in the last decade when Arab countries killed and starved out more than 400,000 Yemenis? I didn't see any of you take it to the streets or raise the Yemeni flag, condemn the terror, or call for a ceasefire. And when there is 2.53 million Uyghurs, Muslim Uyghurs, are in concentration camps getting tortured and raped every day, you guys are silent. So why were you so silent then and why are you so silent now? No one. It was cricket in the meeting room. I couldn't hear anything. So I'm thinking, is that, is that like a pure anti-Semitism? Is that like the Jew hatred? So I'm just confused. You know, if they really care about the Muslims, then... Then take you to the streets and take, you know, raise a Yemeni flag, raise a, you know, the Iraqi flag or, you know, Syria. Syria flag. for crying out loud. Like, exactly. Look at what's happening in Syria. And no one is talking. Look what's happening in China towards Uyghur mm. people. No one says a word about it. So I'm just confused, man. I'm just I'm just so tired of the hypocrisy. And I'm just calling them out because it, even if they're my same religion, I got to call them out, man, because. I don't care who you are. If you are, you know, standing for something that that wrong, I'm going to call you out. You know, I, I really can actually feel for you and with you here, because when I've called out what I call self-hating Jews, mm-hmm. who are basically mouthpieces for what Hamas is doing, it takes their data, it regurgitates it and so forth, and starts condemning Israel and condemning them left and right, and I don't think legitimately in many of these cases. I'm called an anti-Semite. Can you believe that? Are you called like an anti-Muslim or something? Do you get the name-calling too? Oh, man, forget about the name-calling. I get death threats. Oh I literally God. get death threats. If you, if, you see my, if you see my DMs, if you see my DM box, it's disgusting. And this is happening in America, you know? Um so that's why, I mean, we live, I, I keep saying that we live in the best country in the world because if I was anywhere else in the world, I would be get shot already, you know? Um, but even if there is a, like a danger of me getting shot, I got to call them out because that's what my faith through Islam tells me to do, stand for what's right. You know, even if it means sacrificing everything. Um, so that's why. So what... Are... You know, you, you were cut off of the NBA and basketball and so forth. So mm-hmm. what do you do now? You go speaking engagements. You try to 
you're mission oriented, that so, sort of thing. So I want to actually, I'm starting a new project. So, uh, it's going to call a triple A Abrahamic athletic Accords. Uh, Abrahamic Athletic uh, Academy, actually. So we are literally bringing uh, kids from different religions, different colors, and we're going to play basketball. And I want to take those kids to places like Israel, places like Dubai, places like Rome, and actually show them uh, show them themselves. You know, I want to show them and say, look, you've been taught your whole life to hate Israel, hate Jewish people, hate this and that. See it yourself, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited about it. It's, it's an amazing project because it's literally bringing all the Abrahamic religions together and play. And we, we're going to play basketball. We're not going to talk about no conflict, no war, nothing. I just want them to be friends and, you know, be, 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 be friends. And, and I think the rest is going to take care of itself. Um, but other than that, right now, I just go around and do speaking engagements, uh, and especially colleges right now, it's very, very, uh, a nasty place, unfortunately. Dangerous. Happened in America. Yes, very dangerous. So I go to college campus, uh, campus and speak. And I just want to say, man, that if you're a college student, do not get your information from TikTok. This is like literally people don't read anymore. They go on TikTok and they get their, they get their source. And that's literally their source. And they get the daily news from TikTok. And obviously it's a propaganda. It's a brainwashing app. And they think they know everything now and they go to colleges and then they threaten other people. And TikTok is obviously uh, uh, the, 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 the baby of the communist regime in China that's trying to promote yep. uh, conflict and ethnic uh, wars and all the rest of it in order to advance their agenda and so forth. Well, I want to thank you. And when are you going to launch this? Because when you launch it, I want you to come back. Let us talk. Figure out how, how our audience can help. Of course, I'm, I'm thinking about launching it in um, in summertime in 2024, and I think it's going to be an amazing time, man, because right now there's so much anti-Semitism and Islamophobia out there, and I think we need some kind of project like that. So I'm, I'm excited about it. All right, man. Well, God bless you. Take care of yourself, and thanks for reaching out. Of course. All right. Course, be well. It's so a good man. He certainly means well, and he's trying to do his best. He's on a hit list of Turkey and some of these other countries, if Hamas or anybody else of that nature could get a hold of them, they'd kill him. They'd murder him. And of course, he was attacked by uh, fellow NBA members because it's easy. It's easy to talk. It's easy to to be part of the uh, of the course. He's none of that. I want to start something and I'll probably have to carry it over to the next segment. Again, from the Democrat Party Hates America. But you don't have to buy it, right? I'm telling you some of the things that are in it because it's important. Although the Democrat Party has recalibrated its modern racist targets, like Democrats of old, it remains the party of anti-Semitism. In fact, as the Democrat Party's Marxist core continues to metastasize, I finished this book, Mr. Producer, in May. May. So does its anti-Semitism. For example, the current leader of the House Democrats and Speaker-in-Waiting, Hakeem Jeffries, strongly defended his bigoted anti-Semitic uncle, Leonard Jeffries, when Hakeem Jeffries was a leading activist in college. CNN reports that Leonard Jeffries, quote, faced widespread backlash in the early 90s after comments he made about the involvement of rich Jews in the African slave trade 
any conspiracy planned and plotted and programmed out of Hollywood of Jewish executives who he said were responsible for denigrating black Americans in films. Now, what's interesting about that is the patriarch of the Kennedy family, Joe Sr., said the same thing about Jews and Christians. Another Jew-hating anti-Semitic who sympathized with the Third Reich, it was so bad, FDR had to yank him back. He was ambassador of England, sending messages through back channels to the Third Reich. Oh, those Democrats. Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Minister Louis Farrakhan have come under intense fire, wrote Hakeem Jeffries in February 1992. Where do you think their interests lie? Dr. Jeffries has challenged the existing white supremacist educational system and long-standing distortion of history. His reward has been a media lynching, complete with character assassination and inflammatory, erroneous accusations. Anyway, obviously defended his uncle. He also defended Farrakhan. That hasn't hurt his career. And the Republican Party, if somebody supported somebody of this ilk, with a different ideology, but still an ideology of anti-Semitism and bigotry, they would destroy his career. They keep trying to dig up stuff on Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. He's as clean as they come, and they keep trying to destroy him and distort his record and everything. They never bring up Hakeem Jeffries' background, never, because of their media. They're corrupt. Our buddy Victor Davis Hanson explained to National Review that the new anti-Semitism that grew up in the 1960s, keep in mind, he wrote this some time ago, and I wrote the book some time ago. He said, was certainly in part legitimized by the rise of overt African-American bigotry against Jews and coupled by a romantic affinity for Islam. Was further nursed on old stereotypes of cold and callous Jewish ghetto store owners, e.g. the pawnbroker, character and expressed boldly in the assumption that black Americans were exempt from charges and bias and hatred. And by the late 1970s, Israelis and often by extension, Jews in general were demagogued by the left as Western white oppressors. Israel's supposed victims were romanticized abroad as exploited Middle Easterners. By extension, Jews were similarly exploiting minorities at home. Soon it became common for self-described black leaders to explain, to amplify, you know, people like Sharpton, who's on MSNBC now, or people like Joy Reid. The list is a long one. To contextualize or to be unapologetic about their anti-Semitism in both highbrow and lowbrow modes. James Baldwin, quote, Negroes are anti-Semitic because they're anti-white. Louis Farrakhan, quote, When they talk about Farrakhan, call me a hater. You know what they do? Call me an anti-Semite. Stop it. I am anti-termite. The Jews don't like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Well, that's a great name. Hitler was a great man. And it goes on. Barack Obama's reverend, Jeremiah Wright. The Jews ain't going to let him, that is Obama, talk to me. Al Sharpton both ran as a Democrat candidate for president, officially visited the Obama White House, is an MSNBC host, and the list of his horribles is a long one. 
Victor Davis Hanson notes that marquee black leader from Keith, black leaders from Keith Ellison, the Attorney General of Minnesota, to Barack Obama, to the grandees of the Congressional Black Caucus have all had smiling photo ops with the anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan, a contemporary black version of Richard Spencer of the 19 or the 1980s David Duke. Appearing with Farrakhan, however, never became toxic, even after he was once publicly warned. After, even after he once publicly warned Jews, and don't you forget, when it's God who puts you in the ovens, it's forever. In that vein, Michigan's new congresswoman, Rashida Tlaib, assumed she'd face little pushback from her party when she tweeted out the old slur that Jewish supporters of Israel have dual loyalties. Opponents of the boycott, divest, and sanctions movement, this is Victor Davis writing, which targets Israel, quote, forgot what country they represent, Talib said. Ironically, Talib is not shy about her own spirited support of the Palestinians, and we know all about her. And it goes on. Of course, many present-day Democrat Party anti-Semites view the Jewish people as part of the white-dominant, white-privileged oppressor, white race. I write, Hansen points out, quote, the new, new anti-Semitists, anti-Semites, do not see themselves as giving new life to victims themselves against their supposed oppressors. The new, new anti-Semites, excuse me, Venom, is contextualized as an intersectional defense from the hip, the young, the woke. And of course, when it comes to the terrorists in the Middle East, it's because they're occupiers. They believe in apartheid. The modern Democrat Party. Talib is the voice of the Islamists. As are about 30 members of the Democrat caucus in the House of Representatives. Think about that. Democrat Party hates America. It's all right here. And this, in combination with American Marxism, really volume one and volume two. I will call them of American Marxism. You'll know everything you need to know about what's taking place and how our society is being threatened. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless.
love Christmas music. I really do. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, This past summer, Nikki Haley was asked about, say, a 12-year-old child, assigned female at birth, they said, but more comfortable being a boy. What do you think about that? Now, this is when she wasn't really gaining much traction. And the thing I find interesting about Nikki Haley, which, by the way, isn't much, and I've become very, very negative on her, is because she is exactly what you and I have been fighting for decades. She builds up her resume and yet has minimal substance. And what substance she has on that resume is very troubling. She is not a fighter. She does not promote our principles. She's a corporatist. Whether that means giving land for free to the communist Chinese or inviting Disney to come into South Carolina, undermining the Florida legislature and the governor there who duking it out over this woke effort by this corporation. And so the Republican establishment, the ruling Republican class, the uniparty billionaires, they're very comfortable with her, as she is with them. She just met with this guy, Lagone, one of the partners who started Home Depot, multi-billionaire, Republican, who said, I believe, on his friend Neil Cavuto's show, look, Neil, I met with her yesterday. She's very serious. I'm about there. I'm about to endorse her. 
She's spending an awful lot of time with billionaires and Wall Street Journal types. Wall Street types, I should say, but the Wall Street Journal loves her too. Not surprising. You've got a multi-billionaire Democrat who says, I'm going to vote for Biden, but he gives a quarter of a million dollars to a PAC supporting Nikki Haley because he said he wants her to be the nominee. Well, what does he know? He knows what we know. And so we have this fifth column within the Republican Party, as well as other elements out there, whose entire purpose is said to be to defeat Donald Trump, but is really to elect Joe Biden. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. The Bushies who are all over TV, they want to elect Joe Biden. Why? They have no influence with Trump. These are hangers on. These are people who make millions hanging on to a Republican president, Republican presidential candidate, but not with Trump because Trump despises them. So these forces are coming together as well as the Stalinist legal system. Judge Chunkin is a disgrace in every respect, the way she's ruled. The prosecutor, who is really a loathsome POS, they're doing all they can. But I want to circle back to Nikki Haley. She's bad on China. She's bad on the border. She's bad on taxes. Yes, she's bad on abortion. And now we find out she's bad on child sex changes. And I'm sure she'll walk this back. I'm sure during tomorrow's debate, she'll blame somebody else. She'll talk over her opponents, the three opponents in that race. She'll have a line or two about women, and, uh, and that'll be good enough. She'll be declared the winner. She had a great night. And that's that. Nikki Haley on CBS Morning in June. Isn't it amazing? CBS didn't come up with this. The media didn't come up with this. I don't know who did. It's on the Internet. But it is amazing it took this long. Well, some candidates get the you-know-what exam, and some candidates, they just pat on the back. Cut 20, go! What care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country, assigned female at birth, says, actually, I feel more comfortable wait, 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 wait. They're not assigned female. Good God. You ever talk like this, Mr. Producer? Let's listen to this question once more, then we'll get to Haley's answer. Go ahead. What care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country, assigned female at birth, says, actually, I feel more comfortable living as a boy? What should the law allow the response to be? I, I don't know. I don't know there, man. I mean, when you're assigned a certain sex at birth, it's just, it's unbelievable. You know, as I sit here and think about this, let me see if I can work this through with you. You know, there are people out there who don't believe in evolution. There are people out there who do believe in evolution. There are people out there who believe in something in between. But let me ask you a question. Every leftist believes in evolution. Many other people do too, but every leftist believes in evolution. Right, Mr. Producer? So my question is, why would they say somebody is assigned a sex at birth? Assigned by whom? 
presumably they mean God. So all of a sudden they don't believe in evolution anymore. All of a sudden they don't believe in science anymore. That is, if you're assigned a genitalia at birth, that's not science. Who's assigning it? These people are so sick. It's just, they don't even make any sense. Even listen to this. If you're assigned a female at birth, if you ask a nominee to the Supreme Court who's a leftist Democrat or is on the court now to define a woman, they can't. So why do we even use the word woman? Shouldn't the word woman be banned? Shouldn't the word female be banned? Shouldn't the word vagina be banned? Because if we can't define them, if we can't recognize them, then what's the point of using the words? All right, start from the top, and then we'll listen to Nikki Haley. Go ahead. What care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country, assigned female Mm -hmm. at birth, Mm -hmm. says, Mm -hmm. actually, I Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable living as a boy? What should the law allow? So first of all, the kid's 12 years old. And he already knows he feels more comfortable, or she feels more comfortable as a boy. Maybe she's a tomboy. And you grow out of those things. Or maybe you're still a tomboy. That doesn't mean you want your genitalia mutilated. 12 years old, you get to make these decisions. 12 years old, can you drive a car? No. Can you drink booze? No. Can you go in the military? No. Can you vote? No. No, no. But you can decide for the rest of your life, make a permanent decision about your genitalia. I mean, that's how sick this is. History is going to brutalize us. I guarantee it for so many reasons. This is one of them. That this society celebrates abortion. It's not rare anymore. No, we celebrate it. The Democrats raise money to run on it. We're running on abortion. We love abortion. We love abortion. Our voters love abortion. Those single women, childless women out there, they love abortion. Who says so? They say so. That's the number one issue, right? We hear it every day. Abortion, 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 abortion. We never define it. We never explain it. We never talk about what happens to the baby. Newsome, abortion right up to the end. Well, what does that mean? A fully formed human baby. Oh, well, that's a choice. Abortion, abortion. Aren't you for abortion? Okay. And then this moves on to the next issue. Okay, you manage to actually get born. And you're born to a liberal family, a leftist family. And at 12 years old, we're going to make a decision about your genitalia that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Let me ask you something. Do most Americans think this way? Absolutely not. Do most of the people in the media think this way? Absolutely. Do most elected and appointed Democrats think this way? 100%. Now, what does Nikki Haley have to say about all this? The guy says... What should the law allow the response to be? That is, on a 12-year-old girl who signed her femininity at birth, but she feels more comfortable as a boy. 12 years old. I feel more comfortable as a boy. 
12 years old. Pre-pubescent or barely pubescent. What does Nikki Haley think about that? Go. Well, I think the law should stay out of it, and I think parents should handle it. This is a job for the parents to handle. And then when that child becomes 18, if they want to make more of a permanent change, they can do that. But I think up until then, we see with our teenage kids, they go through a lot during puberty. They go through a lot of confusion. They go through a lot of anxiety. They go through a lot of pressures. We should support them the whole way through, but we don't need to go and enforce something in schools. We don't need schools sitting there hiding from the parents Mm -hmm. what gender pronoun they're using. We don't need to have those conversations in schools. Those are conversations that should be had at home. So there shouldn't be a state law banning the mutilation of a 12-year-old, whether by chemical or by surgery. That's an issue of parental rights. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's some things that are outlawed that we parents agree with. You shouldn't have sex with your children. And a thousand other things. Where the law really backs up society and society backs up parents. She's right about all the rest of it, of course. But she's wrong about this. All of a sudden, she's a libertarian, except when it comes to every single other issue. I really think this is an appalling answer. She'll weasel her way out of it, but she said what she said. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, David Mamet is a fantastic writer. You've seen a lot of what he's written about. You've seen a lot of what he's directed. Um, iconic figure. At least he was in Hollywood until he revealed himself as a conservative. And David Mamet, I want to welcome you to the program. You have written, it's actually a hilarious book. And you've got story after story about these major Hollywood figures, both those behind the scenes and those we all know. It's called Everywhere and Oink Oink, an embittered, dyspeptic, accurate, it's a hilarious title, accurate report of 40 years in Hollywood. 40 years in Hollywood. <coughs> First of all, explain to everybody what caused you to write this book. Well, you know, every, everybody in, in Hollywood, when we get to, together, and the same is true in the, in, the, in the theater, at every conversation, someone's going to say, and do you know what Death Karnovich did, right? Because we tell these <laughs> incredible stories of getting, you know, I say in, in, the, uh, in the Marine Corps, they say you're going to get screwed, blued, and tattooed. And in the boxing ring, they say you're going to get your head shook, your money took, and your name in the Undertaker's book. And out here they say, welcome to Hollywood, yeah. right? Because it's, you know, it's like, most of the people in the studios, they're, they're, either, they're, they're either thugs or they're pimps. But there, there's a third category who are both thugs and pimps. Mm-hmm. As I read this book, let me ask you a question. Did you, what is your general take of Hollywood? Good place, cesspool, all those things? 
Well, Hollywood always existed to sell popcorn, right? That's what it did. It was a bunch of Jews from the old country, most of them from Russian Poland, where my people came from, and they came over here, and they were uh, uh, Fox was picking up uh, bottles and returning two-cent bottles on the Bowery and ended up running a studio, and, and uh, Louis Mayer was a glove salesman. They were all hustlers who said, wait a second, we got this new technology. We put up a bed sheet. I'm going to show you this thing that's called a motion picture. And then they got driven out of the East Coast because Edison hold, held the patents. So they wanted to go to the other side of the country where they weren't going to have to fight Edison. They discovered that the sun was shining 380 days a year, so it became Hollywood. It became so successful that it started spawning an infrastructure, no different, Mark, with this in the federal government, right? That the country mm -hmm. has become so successful that inevitably it's going to spawn an infrastructure which drags the thing down. So that's what happened in Hollywood as it happens in any organism. But the other side is you got the people out there in the, uh, in the offices, you know, making idiot decisions based on what some idiot op uh, audience guy told them the audience wants. And then you got the people at the bottom, who, the artists and the crafts people who say, geez, I really want to make a movie. And the two, you know, oil and vinegar only, only missing, mixing a salad. And I was in the, the good side of Hollywood for 40 years, of, you know, making movies and having the time of my life and hanging out on the set, just, just having a ball. And I had very little to do with the people in the studios because the studios said, yeah, we'd like some independent films. You guys, can you make an independent film for two, three, four million dollars? We won't pay you any salary now, but we'll pay you no salary later. And we said, yeah, sure. So the, the, for the fun of it, then the studios got into it, the independents got drove out, and then streaming came in when they didn't have to appeal to an actual audience sitting in a movie theater. So uh, every art form dies, everything dies, right? Anything that's organic lives and dies. But I was very, very fortunate in coming into it when the very, very end of the studio system was there. I knew a lot of guys who were actually in, even in silence, and I made a bunch of movies and wrote out uh, a string that's, uh, that anybody would be grateful for, and I certainly am, and here I am now. You, the golden age of Hollywood is past, isn't it? It's totally different today. Is that right? Sure, yeah. I, you know, I say it's like the golden age of Nantucket, right? Nantucket was a whaling town, thriving whaling town, well, then they stopped whaling out of sailing ships, and they stopped whaling out of the United States. Then topic became a place for uh, 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 middle-class professionals, doctors and lawyers and school teachers, blah, blah, blah. Then the rich people discovered it, and they said, you know, get lost. All the, the real estate went up, and so success led to the demise of Nantucket as anything other than a destination. But however good a whaler you are, you can't go back to Nantucket and say, guys, give me another break. I love this book for two reasons. It is so Thank fascinating. You. It is so fascinating. The people you worked with, how many different genres you were in, the studios, the actors, the people behind the scenes, your drawings. You send me drawings every now and then are, are hilarious. I want you to stay with me. I want to get into some of this in more detail. I liked every one of these chapters, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a Frank Sinatra fan, so I want to touch on that, too. We'll be right back, folks, with David Mamet. This is a great book, everywhere in Oink Oink, and you get it at Amazon.com, any major bookstore. 
I strongly encourage you to do exactly that. I'll be right back. David Mamet is one of the great playwrights, more than that, great Hollywood writers, really, of all times. I can go down the list of uh, plays and other things he's written, but we'd be here all night going through it. But I mean, really, iconic figure. Uh, Today, in my view, as he has been in the past, he has spent decades in Hollywood. And he writes this fantastic book, as only he can, Everywhere in Oink Oink. And embittered, I mean, it's a hilarious title. Dyspeptic, an accurate report of 40 years in Hollywood. Let me ask you this. The Frank Sinatra story. It's a very short chapter, but what is the Frank Sinatra story? Share that with the public here. Are you talking about the Don Rickles story? Yeah, exactly. Without the F word. Sinatra? Okay. Yeah. Of course, sure. So I... uh, I knew Don Rickles, and this is a very famous story in Hollywood. And I asked him one when I first met. I said, "Tapala, Don, is this story true?" He says, "My hand to God." So the thing about stories in Hollywood is they're hysterically funny. At least they were when I was in, because it's an in-group. Hollywood's like aviation. It's like law enforcement, firefighting, the military, medicine. It's an in-group. You cannot visit. If you're in, you're in, and if you're out, you're out. And if you're mm-hmm. in, you got your own stories that go that go on forever. And you love them. You love the cover. So anyway, Don Rickles is a starting out comic, and he's playing the lounge in Las Vegas. The lounge is what you go through. It's the small bar room before you get into the main room. It's where you try out. So he's in the lounge. Blah blah blah. Frank Sinatra comes through. Frank's not the biggest star in the world. Most powerful guy in you know in the United States. And. Uh, Don says, Mr. Sinatra, Mr. Sinatra, excuse me, I, I don't mean, I'm not going to ask you to see my act. No, 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 I'm doing the actor. Just one thing, it's my wife's birthday. And if on the way out, you just stopped, you didn't have to stop, just as you walked by our table said, hey, Don, good to see you, how are you? It would make her birthday. Okay, so blah, blah, blah. Don's sitting at the table after his act with his wife. Frank comes by with his entourage. He says, hey, Don, how are you? Rickle says, F you, Frank. <laughs> so, so Sinatra, who is incredibly hip, right, and dissolves in laughter, and Don Rickles' story is made because he's the court jester. So mm-hmm. we've always had court jesters in our time. People said that in the ancient days, the job of the court jester was to sit behind the ruler and say, you are just a man, you are just a man. Remember, you were just a man. Anybody could do that job. So the guy who's the great court jester was the guy who made the guy think, and he made him laugh. So instead of saying, you were just a, a, a man, he said, you know, three are concubine, three, three concubines, so you're a rotten lay. Right? Mm. Or if you screw this up like you screwed up Sicily, you deserve to get crucified. <laughs> so that's always been the position of the, the court jester, who was what Don Rickles was, is, and to a certain extent, really what I am, the position of the court jester is tell the truth in such a way that's surprising, funny, inevitable, and a little bit over the line, because or else who cares? How well did you know Sinatra? Did you know him well? I didn't, I didn't know, but I knew his, I knew his daughter, uh, Tina, and she said something to me uh, at dinner. I think I put it in the book. She said, you know, you remind me of my yeah. dad. 
And I thought, yeah, she says that to everybody, ha ha. But you know, I, I, I asked the person she was with at the time and they said, no, 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 no. But Sinatra was fascinating because he was Frank Sinatra, the greatest singer of all time, mm-hmm. but he was a spectacular actor. If someone said you could work with any actor in history, I think Frank Sinatra would be number one. And he was a good dancer, too. He could pretty much do it all. And it turns out, we now know, he was a pretty good artist. I don't His know artwork about that, is but he was a great... Oh, he was a great silent supporter of the state of Israel. Never told nobody, but that's what he did. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Well, while I have you on that subject, what do you make of the media in America and this element within the Democrat Party and in this administration, which turns Israel into the oppressor and the terrorists into the victims. What well, do you make of that? Well, it's kind of, it's, you know, it says in the Torah, it says in the Bible, Amalek is with you in every generation. Amalek's the, the spirit of evil. So in the actual Old Testament, it says in every generation, people are going to rise up and try to kill the Jews. So the terrible thing, and I was talking to a guy who's an uh, IDF combat veteran, he was there on the day after, and he saw what happened in Gaza, and he said as horrible as that was, the reaction of the world was worse. So you want to know what I make of it? You got a minute? Sure. Hello? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. People say to me, geez, you know, well, yeah, geez, 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 what is it, how, what is it about the Jews? What is it about the Jews are doing? The Jews aren't doing anything. The Jews are the battered wife of Western civilization. We, in the days when women had no power and they couldn't vote, and they were the, quote, the, the, the in, at least in, in, in England, they were the possessions of their husband. If the husband comes home and he says, how are you? And, she, and he doesn't like the look on her face, he whacks the stuffing out of her. And if he gets drunk and he doesn't like the look on her face, he whacks the stuffing out of her because she's powerless and she's there. But the problem is not the wife. The problem is the guy's lack of control and a difficult life. So the Jews have always been the battered wife of Western civilization. We didn't have a home. We had no place to go to. We had no one to refer to and say, please, please help us. We tried to help out and do our best and be part of society. And if the husband was having a bad day or civilization fell apart, as it did, you know, 1930s Germany, or as it's doing today, you turn to the battered wife. The problem for the world now is that Israel is no longer the battered wife. So everyone says, well, wait a second, wait a second. What about that wonderful thing we used to do where every time I come home, I get drunk, I knock the bubba out of you. And Israel mm-hmm. says, yeah, not anymore. So the Democratic Party, which has always been the party of slavery and the party of racism, and it's always been the party, curiously, of anti-Semitism. You can't find a bigger anti-Semite than Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He, how many people died because he wouldn't let mm-hmm. them into this country or because he wouldn't, wouldn't interdict the, the train lines to Auschwitz? But the Jews came over like my grandparents and probably like yours, and they said, wait a second, a minimum wage, blah, blah, this, that, welfare, jobs for everybody, civilian concentration, a civilian conservation course, I'll vote for that. But we're still voting for Franklin Roosevelt 70 years later, and the Democratic Party has gone in the tank for these swine who call themselves the squad. And they say, yes, anything for you guys, please, 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 let, please let me appease Iran. Well, under Trump, people said, you know, Trump was bringing peace to the Middle East. I said, that's not true. He brought peace to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Right? So now, now we're in the, the, the 
so now we're back with the the, the Obama Biden people, and they say, no, 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 do not forget, Israel was the battered wife because they're Jews. And so Israel says, no, I don't think so, but the Democrats tie their hands. So any, so I'm, I'm not going to say this on, on national radio, but if I did, I would say that any Jew who votes for the Democrats is out of his mind. I agree with that 100%, by the way. This is a fantastic book by a fantastic guy, David Mamet. It's everywhere and oink oink. And I think you're going to really enjoy this book, particularly during the holiday season. <clears throat> you should acquire it for yourself, for family members or friends. And it is something that's lasting. And it is funny. These stories you tell, some of them are very strange, but it is funny. And you go up and down the chain. And uh, I, I, how long did it take you to write this? And you also have art, artwork in here, you know, comics or, or drawings in here. Yeah. So I was talking to my wife one day, bitching about Hollywood. I said, somebody should write a book called Everyone Oink Oink, 40 Years in Hollywood. She said, you write it. I said, no, it's a stupid title, blah, blah, blah. She said, no, you, you write it, for God's sake. So I just started telling these stories. And a lot of them are salacious because that's what, what, what Hollywood, life in Hollywood was like. It was work hard, play hard, Right. And it, it sure as hell was. And I hope most of them were funny because those are the stories we remember. They're funny and they're odd. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful that, uh, the, that, I was, uh, that I was there for it. And we are, too, because, uh, you know, most of us aren't there. Most of us haven't been there in terms of the way you have as a career. And you shed a lot of light on this. And it really is a great book. And I want to congratulate you. You can get it on Amazon.com as I speak, any major bookstore. It is Everywhere in Oink Oink by David Mamet. Mamet, right? What am I saying, Mamet? That's the French pronunciation. No, I'm right. just it's, kidding. It's Mamet. It's, it's, it's like Jackie Bissett, Mamet. It's Mamet. No, I know what it is. And you know what? It's like people call me 11 and I don't give a damn. Whatever it is, it is. All right, brother. God bless you and keep in touch, okay? Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. It's a fantastic book. He's got his own illustrations in there. It really, it, it, only a guy like him could write something like this. And it really is fantastic. I know you're going to love it. I really do, particularly for the holidays. And you're going to learn about a lot of famous people you know, and there's a lot of powerful people behind the scenes that you don't know. And he had to deal with a tremendous number of them. It's not a sourpuss book. Oh, what was me? What was me? There's none of that in there. That's not the point. He is, as you can tell, very straightforward, very forthcoming, very transparent. And that's what makes the book great. And he's a great writer. Everywhere and oink oink, Amazon.com and any major bookstore. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There is a fantastic piece written by Julie Kelly in Real Clear Investigations. I didn't have time to get to it today, but I will get to it tomorrow. And they're really setting up Donald Trump. I call this, as you know, a Potemkin trial, Potemkin courthouse. Oh, you got a judge in a black robe. You've got a prosecutor. Oh, you'll have a jury, and you'll have defense lawyers, and it'll be in this very important-looking building, and you'll have reporters out there, and legal analysts telling you what to think and how to think, and it's all a complete setup. 
She's ruled against Donald Trump on every single motion. And the judge before her, who was handling motions, took away his Sixth Amendment right to counsel's Fifth Amendment right to due process. And they took away attorney-client privilege. They actually forced his lead lawyer to testify to the grand jury against him and took his notes, too. And now the prosecutor seems to be laying a case out for insurrection and sedition. But he's not charged with insurrection and sedition. So it's becoming a case where he wants to create for what will be a partisan anti-Trump Democrat jury a political and emotional outcome where he's going to use the events of January 6th He's already said recently, in the last 48 hours, that Donald Trump is responsible for the violence that took place, and yet Donald Trump is being charged with any of that. They dusted off a Klan Act. They dusted off two Enron obstruction laws that have nothing to do with this. And they dusted off another law that has to do with federal contractors who take money and use it for purposes they're not supposed to or that they didn't actually contract for. That's what he's charged with, those statutes. And so this disgusting, this disgusting fraud of a prosecutor, this outrageous judge, are going to put Donald Trump on trial for something he's not really charged for. For the purpose of getting a conviction and defeating him in the next election. We know what history will say about it, but history's too late. Mr. Producer, how much time is left? All right, is there a caller we can slip in for about 40 seconds here? Yeah. Christine, Middletown, Connecticut, you're on 30 seconds. Go! Hi, Mr. Levin. I happen to be a transsexual woman. I don't yes. agree with Nikki, Nikki Haley enough. We cannot have kids medically transitioning. Interrupting a child's puberty is gambling with their long-term future health, and I'm not going to be quiet and let this keep happening. Good for you. That took guts. That took guts. In other words, leave the kids alone. Exactly. I think too many parents aren't leaving their kids alone either. So we need state laws to prevent this from happening. But the reason also for a state law is to put a marker down for society. It's not to take authority away from parents. It's to say as a society, as a state, as a community, we do not support surgically or chemically altering the genitalia of children. Period. I want to thank you for your call. And God bless you, and have a wonderful holiday. Really, that's, that took some courage. I appreciate that very much. Leave your hands off the kids. It's that simple. But they won't on the left. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, freedom fighters all over the world, and our brothers and sisters in Israel, and our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.